0: Hello, and welcome to the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren, and this is a podcast where I interview artists with spiritual practices to see how their spiritual work as well as their artistic work are intertwined, or how they might just influence each other. Today's episode, I am interviewing myself. I've interviewed a lot of different artists so far, at least 12, with a little extra coming up at the end of the month to finish out this year, but as today is the day that I am releasing my new website, SubnormalChild.com, and the grand conjunction between Saturn and Jupiter, I thought it would be kind of important to explain how I got into a spiritual practice, who I am as an artist, and why I have a spiritual practice that is deeply tied to my artistic practice. As I've been stepping into a place with this podcast, I just thought it would be important to reflect why I do what I do, but also how did I get here? So thank you for being here. Thank you for buckling in and listening. But with that said, let me just start with who I am and what I do. Besides making art and putting out podcast episodes, I have a full time job as an art teacher that also teaches SEL. For those of you who do not know what SEL is, that stands for social emotional learning. SEL is actually something that I just began teaching this year while I've been teaching online. I teach in a city in North Philly. It's a charter school system, and every, well, most schools, I mean, in the Philadelphia School District and the charter systems, or at least a good portion of them, are all online this year. So as I transition to online learning, I also began working with another co-worker to implement a a whole new curriculum, basically, that infuses art with the social-emotional learning. I have to say, it's honestly been a game-changer, and I absolutely love it. Not just because it creates a more holistic way of teaching art, but I'm also learning so, so much from my co-teacher that I'm working with, who is really good at the social-emotional component. And in fact, she spearheaded the entire social-emotional learning class at our school. So that's kind of who I am and what I do um, on that level. What I'm doing now, putting out my website, my intentions behind all of that is to bring out a holistic healing practice that utilizes what I know and what I'm learning in a space to help people who have experienced deep artistic wounds in a similar way that I have. Because regardless of whether you consider yourself an artist or just make art for fun, a lot of us have deep wounds around art. And I know that a lot just in my own spans, my own experience, but I've deepened that understanding as I've become an art teacher. I remember my experiences growing up where I often questioned my abilities or felt that I was not a good artist even though I had a passion and drive for it. And now that I'm an adult teaching art, I'm trying to undo a lot of the work that happened to me in classrooms I learned in. So one of my intentions moving forward as a teacher is to utilize the tools that I've learned over the years. Tools such as Reiki and Tarot and my own witchy work to infuse that into workshops or one-on-one work with people. Where we can work together to move through these really painful wounds and even just relearn what art can be for each other. I am what I would call an intuitive artist, I move with <laughs> um, intuitively. When I'm creating a drawing or I'm painting, I usually don't start with much of an idea of what it's going to look like as much as just with an intention. Sometimes not even with that. Right now, I'm working on a tarot deck, the Subnormal Tarot. And so I'm already utilizing some of the things that I love in my spiritual practice as a way of connecting with my intuitive self and getting into how I can personally represent these themes and these energies in my own artistic way. When I start a drawing or a painting, like I said, I don't have a plan or a vision of what it will look like, but when I start, it's much more of a conversation of curiosity. What will come out? What will come through? And at a certain point, I know what's going on. And so I'll tie up the loose ends in my own artwork. But often I am just kind of listening. I'm just tapping in and trying to drop in to see what comes up. So that's a type of art making that I'm trying to share. Getting people to move past what they think art should look like, and go more with the conversation that appears on your page, your canvas, or whatever material feels best for your creative voice. So with my website launch, my intention is to do some intuitive art classes, workshops, and other magical offerings. Of course, links will be in the description box and you can find out about these more. But how did I get to this? Because it was not an easy road and to be completely honest with you, it wasn't very straightforward. It wasn't a matter of waking up one morning and saying, ah yes, I'm going to meditate and really believe in myself and just make some art. I actually ended up having a super toxic relationship with art for a number of years. And like I said before, a lot of this toxic relationship started early on because I've always been labeled as an artsy kid. And that's cute, right? It's fun to be the artsy kid, but there's a lot to unpack with being the artsy kid it's not always easy or fun because with the quote-unquote artsy label, I was also just the weird kid. I actually struggled a lot in school, just in general. And I would find myself kind of blacking out into my own world and start having visualizations or start drawing on my paper without actually knowing what I was doing or why. And though that can sound very scary, it was never anything alarming, because I actually never noticed I was doing it, until I looked at my picture on my paper, that might have been a test or a worksheet, or until I found out about it in therapy, where my mom decided to let my therapist know that I was doing that, and not tell me. (laughs) So... With being an artsy kid, you kind of get told, well, you're just an artist, right? You're just different. And it's kind of funny how that label has followed me, even in my teaching career, where I have brought up to my coworkers how I f- sometimes feel left out because I'm the weird one. And then having a coworker tell me, Well, you're the art teacher. (laughs) Which, again, I went from just the weird art kid to just the weird art teacher. And even as I say that, this is a limiting belief system. I'm not just a weird person. I'm not just eclectic. I'm an actual person. But once you kind of get a label in your life, you kind of stop exploring, and you kind of get comfortable. Or at least that's what happened to me. So as I stepped into this label, I eventually found that it had its limitations. As a art kid, I eventually ran into issues because my art was, well, uber artsy. It was super strange. And my first art wound which let's be honest, the story is a lot of art wounding, came in middle school, when I actually started failing art class. It wasn't because I wasn't doing work. And yeah, I had some trouble completing because I would get so wrapped up into what I was doing. But ultimately what ended up getting me in a lot of trouble was not making art in a way that made others comfortable or my subject matter being extra strange. I actually ended up failing my first art class in middle school because my work wasn't to the teacher's liking. And it was in that moment that I realized, or I started to question what I made, what I did. And of course, that can be super troubling, right? But this is where I really started to question my value. As I got older and I worked more on my portfolio to get ready to go to school, because let's face it, as an artsy kid that didn't do very well in school, I kind of looked at art as my only way. And with expectations from family, I of course had to go to school. That was the formula that I know a lot of us have felt pulled into. So once I got into my formula, once I started following suit, I found that I didn't do very well at my portfolio. I didn't get a very good grade on it. And I even remember one of my teachers in high school in my portfolio class, as I freaked out thinking I didn't have the right work in to get a good grade, tell me straight up, it's too late to do anything about it. That really hurt, and I will say, all of my experiences as an artsy kid that was not really encouraged once I was getting graded on it has really influenced me as a teacher. I have definitely decided that I will not teach in that sort of binary of art is either good or bad, because it's obviously flawed art can be good or bad to you but if we look at art as well through this lens of the binary of there's either good or art or bad art we really limit each other's creativity and our passion our drive or the pleasure that we can derive from just the act of making so this is my first major wound But it only got worse once I went to school. And this is when art became truly toxic for me. Because, as I said, I was always the artsy kid. So being kind of relegated or told I'm not that good really created an identity crisis for me. I wanted to be amazing. I wanted to be praised. I wanted to be loved and if this was the only thing that I thought I was good at and suddenly I was not good at it, this was devastating. And from there, I entered community college and eventually SCAD, my school of choice, fired up and ready to be the fucking best But let's face it, that meant I needed to make art that made other people happy. If what I made was not quote unquote successful, if it didn't make people like me or something like that, well, then I was going to starve because that's another lie we tell artists, right? They starve. They're starving. I can't make money doing what they love unless it hurts. And that's, of course, really a limiting, toxic belief system. But it also, again, shuts people down from wanting to be creative or get into a creative avenue for their work. Or it just makes people believe that art's not worth it. Because I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be miserable. But that's kind of where a big lie entails, right? This is where there's a big toxic ideology. Is this belief that, well, we have to make art if we're artists. But if we're not artists, what's the point? So here I was, Going to college, starting at community college and eventually going away to school. And I worked my ass off to an unreasonable level, to the point where I'm staying up for three days in a row to create paintings, to work on illustrations. And actually, that brings me, what I said earlier, to another point. I didn't actually go to school for the thing that I wanted. I went to school for illustration and this again is where that wound around, well, you don't want to starve, do you? You want to make money, don't you? You would be great at children's books, wouldn't you? You could make money doing that, right? It's kind of weird to be told all of this at a young age trying to make a big decision as far as what you want to do for the future and kind of being dictated to where you're limited and what you can do right but that was the ideology going into college so instead of going and majoring in my first love my first passion painting i ended up going for illustration and that ended up being a really toxic choice for myself in fact i almost changed majors But I realized that a little late and I got cold feet, so I didn't switch. I stuck with it with a major in illustration and a minor in painting. But illustration proved to be really toxic for me because let's face it, illustration is really about creating art in a very capitalistic way. The turnarounds are tight. I was asked to make 30 to 40 thumbnails overnight. And while doing all of this and realizing that I wasn't very good at just making art in this way, I ended up forcing myself to be good at it in the most unhealthy of ways. I became deeply addicted to Adderall. In fact, it was kind of my go-to thing. I would take Adderall all the time, mostly at night to help me achieve the impossible. But the truth was, I also just really liked how it made me feel. Like most people who have become dependent on stimulants, it became something that I needed to function. And eventually by the time I graduated from college, I graduated strung out, burnt out, and totally lost. I had worked so hard for over four years to achieve something that I didn't even want and realized very late that I didn't know who I was and I didn't actually have an artistic voice that felt good for me. And in fact, I had gotten to the point where I was not making art if I wasn't on Adderall. And that's ultimately sad, right? I went from not even noticing when I would be making art doodling everywhere on my papers as a kid, to straight up hating the act of making. And it being so unnatural to me that I had to be on the influence of something to get there. So how did I fix this? It took a very long time, first of all. It wasn't an easy fix. And in fact, it was a really long journey. When I graduated high school, I started going to SCAD a year later. And as I was at SCAD, I met a really great group of friends. And a lot of these friends... We're pretty lost like me. Because let's face it, we're all a little lost at that age, right? Or if we're all in this space, we're attracting each other, right? When I was meeting with these friends, we started group meditations. They were part of a band called Word of Mouth. And it was all about raising vibration, about opening up consciousness. And it was pretty remarkable how all of us could talk this talk without actually doing a lot of the work, if any. There was a lot of curiosity, a lot of desire to learn, but we were all pretty wounded and not actually doing the work that we said. Some of us, most of us, including myself, were really struggling to recognize where our own wounds were or how we ourselves were toxic in our own lives. But once we all graduated... I was starting to notice a really big shift, a really big change. And one of my friends that I made while at SCAD actually really influenced me a great deal. Emily Kell and I actually went to the same school and we studied around the same time. And in fact, because she was a painting major, I got to work with her and see some of her amazing stuff. She really influenced me as far as what visionary art could look like outside of just Alex Gray. But after we graduated, she did something that was really powerful for me and that I'm really thankful for. She started hosting moon circles at her house. And this was my first time to really see community in a really healthy way. And I mean that really, really deeply. The moon circles at her house changed a lot of things for me. I remember coming to my first my first moon circle drunk and learning as I was there that this wasn't a party, that it was a supportive community. And I remember going there probably at one of the lowest points of my life because I was maybe out of school for a year or two, the most lost I could possibly be, and suddenly in circle with all these amazing people who were being vulnerable, authentic, and just holding space for each other in a way that I realized I was missing. We shared intentions, we held space, we sang, we drank cacao, and not in a way that felt exclusive but really inclusive really comforting and it was from there that I actually realized where my work needed to happen my work needed to or well my personal work within myself began shifting and I'm not just talking about art wise I'm talking about the deep change that I needed because I'd already gone through lots of deep lows, but it wasn't until then that I realized how powerful community was or how universal some of our bullshit was. It was there that I realized what work around our spiritual selves could be and how powerful it could be. So I have to say, some of my biggest teachers Melissa Dillon, Melissa Haggerty, Emily Kell. These are all people that I met in Savannah and held space with, held ceremony with. Also, Christy Hester, Jess Trivette, Mackenzie Alexander, Bridget Adams. These are all beautiful human beings that helped really show me what the bullshit can look like but also how to acknowledge and work through the shit and i hope they're okay with me mentioning that circle i think they will be but honestly that was where i realized a lot of work needed to be done but it wasn't until i actually moved away from savannah that i identified what this looked like for me on my own Because as big of a change as that was, being on your own and having to create your own community can really be the greatest jumping off point to your healing. And that's what I realized when I finally created my own community in Philly. Around the time I moved out of Savannah, a lot of other people did too. And that includes Emily Cal she ended up making a huge move around the same time to another area of the country herself and melissa uh, haggerty did the same so there was a lot of movement that felt like it was happening in that time really powerful and really extreme movement of all these people who were connected to this place extending outwards in their own ways when i got to philly I was feeling pretty lost still. That's when I started drawing again. I got into natural dyes and I started reworking my relationship with art for real. And I decided to start making, not with the intention of something has to look a certain way, but really diving into art that felt good. And some of that comes from my friend, Melissa. Melissa Haggerty is also an intuitive artist. And the way that she draws kind of inspired me a whole lot. Because one thing that she said that has stuck with me and has really influenced me was that there's no mistake in a line. That as she creates, if there's a line that looks funny, it's just something that she works with. And so there's a lot of faith being put into the work that makes it more divine. So through this, I kind of interpreted it in my own way. I started playing with line. I started playing with my own visual language of how to work more intuitively in a way that honors the process rather than the finished product. And that brings me to where I started my Saturn return in 2017, I moved to Philly early 2017. By December, I had spent almost an entire year in Philly, had created a lot of massive change, and from there, started really getting into art in a way that was more holistic. I was playing with art, I was playing with what I can do, and what my visual voice was. But a lot of that came from honoring process and relearning that it didn't have to look a certain way, that I didn't have to produce something a certain way, just so someone would like it or like what I made, but instead made something that felt good, that honored the moon, that honored the process, that honored what I was learning with astrology or learning with tarot, channeling planetary imagery, tarot imagery. As I created this new work and dove into it, I got to meet an amazing reader and astrologer, Brady, also known as the Mythic Landscape, and work with them to create work for their published books and tarot zines. And as I worked with them, I really started to even deepen what I was understanding I would read their words and just start to process it in a way that felt so authentic and channeled. And I finally was starting to feel, starting to embody what I had known as a child. How I connected with art in a way that made others anxious or nervous or even a little creeped out, right? Because I was just channeling what was most authentic. Turning my brain off and feeling. This is what I am really passionate about. This relearning. Because as I have grown, as a teacher, as I taught, because I didn't just teach classrooms, I've also taught in painting with a twist and other companies like that. I've seen it in young and old. We need more nourishing relationship with art. We all do. Even if you are someone who acknowledges that they are an artist, we might have really deep wounds. Or maybe you don't see yourself as an artist because I've heard it a million times. I can't even draw a stick figure. Which to that I say, if you can write your name, (laughs) you can draw a stick figure. But I get it. It's a cop out. And it's a cop-out because we don't want to feel lesser than if we see something on our page and think to ourselves, oh shit, this looks terrible. Because we've been taught that it's not about how you feel or how it looks to you or even the experience. It's really about how can you monetize it? How good is it? Will you put it in your home? Will you frame it? Oh, if it's not good, then it was a waste, right? And I can't help but feel like this is just another side effect of a capitalistic world that doesn't know how to nurture people's creativity, that doesn't know how to acknowledge that not all art has to look a certain way to have value, that honoring your voice, tapping into your intuitive self, your creative self is just another nourishing aspect of being human. Or that this is an extension of our spiritual practices. Because I'll be honest, once I started connecting with the idea of community and spiritual practices around the moon or with intention, learning what spirituality could mean to me, that's really when I realized art is a spiritual act. To go back to Emily Kell, I took one of her classes where we painted yonis where we got into a place where we were in a beautiful meditation together and looking inward and it's these experiences that I'm so thankful for and I want to honor that lineage I want to honor these people who have helped me rewire reprogram my mind and realize that art is an intuitive healer That it is not just simply the act of producing, but creation. We are intuitive beings. We are spiritual beings. And we are creative beings. So that's the intention I want to set as a teacher myself. Over the past three years now of teaching in a classroom, I've learned what doesn't work Even more. But I'm also deeply learning what does and how it can feel good, where art can be more of a therapeutic resource and a spiritual action than another hobby that needs to be good to feel good about. So, with that said, thank you for listening. I'm thankful that you're here to listen to my journey. And as I said, Subnormalchild.com is where you can learn more about this. Sign up for my workshop um, that's going to be coming out in January, where we can both dive in to this collective creative energy. Where I'm going to talk about how to acknowledge certain blocks if they come up, where those blocks might lie, like you just heard from me, as well as diving into how we can rewire our own artistic practice to be one that's really nourishing and really diving into what feels good because that's what it is right or at least that's what i'm hoping to share is the relearning that i have gotten from amazing artists amazing friends and really amazing people and i will also link in the description box where you can find um those people as well Emily Kell is someone I'm hoping to get on the podcast soon but I have interviewed um Melissa Haggerty also known as Mother Bug Mother sorry Mother Bug which you can find all that information in the description box so you can listen to her um interview as well (sighs) but with that said friends thank you It feels really good to come out and kind of just say all of this art has been so nourishing for me Reiki has been so nourishing for me in my healing experience tarot has been so nourishing to my healing experience so I'm really happy to share those with you definitely check out the website when you get a chance but with that said Thank you for being with me on this solstice. If you're listening to this on the day it was put out, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Hello, friend. Real quick before you go, I wanted to share a little bit more about my workshop that is coming up next year. So, Next year, January 23rd, I am going to be teaching a workshop called Drawing Within, diving into an intuitive art as a spiritual practice. So if you don't know what intuitive art is, that is going to be part of the workshop talking about how we can use intuitive art as a spiritual tool. Honestly, kind of imagine a creative writing workshop, but for without words. <laughs> so we'll be drawing after dropping in, creating space and tension, and acknowledging where we might hold onto creative blocks as well as how to move through them, acknowledge them, honor them, but really step into our spiritual ritualistic power of creation and art making. You can bring whatever materials you have or whatever materials feel most authentic to you. And if you have any questions about that workshop, if you're curious and want to know more, feel free to reach out to me at subnormalchild at gmail.com or on Instagram at subnormalchild. I am here if you have any questions regarding it, I really hope that you will be there or are interested in taking part. And with that said, enjoy your solstice. Enjoy the rest of this year (laughs) and enjoy this beautiful day. Bye friend.